WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. We got at Nate Geary Sports. And uh, Nate says, Merry Christmas to everyone except for Tom Brady, who is probably watching his own documentary with his family this morning. Sports Talk Saturday. We were watching the highlights of last year's Super Bowl, which we won, but we weren't watching the <laughs> <a> documentary. <laughs> Does Nate actually play sports? Emotional damage. On WGR. You good? Not little yet. He died of emotional damage. Sports Radio 550. All right, y'all. Good afternoon. Oh, good morning, I should say. I've been up a while. I played golf before I got on the radio this morning. So I'm a little, um, I've been up since like 5 a.m. So I'm just, I'm a little all over the place today. I was on yesterday, so it still sort of feels like, Yesterday was Saturday, maybe today's Sunday, and I'm here, and I don't just I don't know what's happening. But uh, good after, good morning to all of you. It'll be afternoon soon. I don't I don't mean to rush you into your afternoon on a holiday weekend, but here we are. Uh, for those of you in your vehicles driving to your next destination, or maybe your first holiday weekend destination. Uh, good morning to you. Excited to have you. Excited for um, a great morning and afternoon of some radio where we're going to talk a little Bills. We're going to talk a little Broncos. We'll talk a little bit of Carolina Panthers today. So football is on the docket. Um, I'm also probably going to start by complaining a little bit about the Deshaun Watson updates that it looks like are starting to... I'm actually surprised we didn't get a like update yesterday just in terms of the league dropping news on a Friday afternoon before a long holiday weekend. I was almost fully expecting the NFL to sort of try to throw that one at everybody so that we could get through the weekend and forget that, you know, he's probably not going to get the suspension a lot of us are hoping he gets just based on the egregiousness of all of the acts. Um, So we'll um, I'll talk a little bit about that here in a couple of minutes before I do that. Um, I wanted to quickly go and run through our guests for today. 11.30 coming up here. Uh, we'll have Aaron Quinn of Cover One. Uh, you know, Aaron and I, we talk a lot about food. He's he's probably one of the championing members of Grills Mafia. Uh, so we're going to talk to him about our 4th of July foods of choice, you know, like our favorite foods for the 4th of July weekend. I feel like there's probably a lot of generic ones. So we'll talk about maybe some ones that aren't hitting the generic button on um, – on 4th of July foods. At noon, I've got Ryan Talbot. We're going to talk about the deepest position group for the Bills. And we're also going to talk a little bit. I'm, I'm sure that this will be in the same conversation because I'm of the mind the defensive line is this is the, uh, is the Bills' current deepest position group on the team. So we'll talk a little bit about the defensive line either way, if whether or not you know, Ryan believes that they're the group that 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 is the deepest on the team. We're going to talk a little bit about the interior defensive line. We're going to talk about the defensive line, the edge rushers as well. So we'll get through that um, at noon with Ryan at 12:30. Benjamin Albright, uh, my buddy over in Denver, is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Broncos offseason additions. Obviously, Russell Wilson most notably. So we'll talk to him about what those expectations are going into this year with one of the toughest divisions in the league. And then at one o'clock, we've got John Ellis. Uh, he covers the Carolina Panthers for fan sided and for blue wire pods. We're going to talk to him about Sam Darnold, about Baker Mayfield, about any other quarterback that's going to potentially be rumored to be starting and playing football games for the Carolina Panthers this year. So we'll talk to John at one o'clock. Um, I'll also open my phone lines. 803-0551-888-552-550. 
If you've got Bill's thoughts, you want to talk about if you've got – heck, I mean, we've got a free agency in the NHL coming up next week. We've got an NHL draft coming up. We've got the NBA free agency period, which has just been pretty – insane and psychotic uh if you've got thoughts there we'd be happy to take any of them uh throughout the morning and into the afternoon so i mentioned i wanted to talk a little bit at least briefly about all of the difficult conversations people are starting to have now about the suspension the official suspension of deshaun watson which looks like the closer and closer we get to a decision the less and less confident I am he's going to see some sort of long-term suspension. I was listening on the way into CBS Radio, and they had a couple of takes that I kind of wanted to hash out on my own, um, and and I, I'll, a few takes I didn't necessarily agree with. And I, the, the really tough part about anything involving suspensions or, um, you know, anything in terms of charging a player or uh, his civil lawsuits that he's currently still fighting, which are, are not as many as the 24 he was fighting prior. I think he's only down to three or four that he's currently fighting in court. The other ones have already previously been settled. And the league, according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, has mentioned that the league, in their arguments for an indefinite, at least a year-long suspension, but an indefinite suspension of Deshaun Watson have not really brought up any violent acts, have not brought up any coercion, have not really brought up the fact that there are allegations that he was doing these things against the will of the women that he was you know, using as a massage therapist, which, by the way, were up to 66 separate women that were utilized in a 17-month span for massages. So, you know, yes, of course, everybody agrees it's weird, it's sketchy. I can't imagine anybody going through that site. And it's tough for a common folk like me or, or you know, like people in Western New York who aren't don't have access to millions and millions and millions of dollars, or in the case of Deshaun Watson, hundreds of millions of dollars, to go out and, you know, find massage therapists and, and you know, use multiple of them. But it's very obvious to me that through all of the, you know, all of the allegations, that there is a level of guilt to Deshaun Watson. And now whether everything that is being, you know, he's being accused of is accurate or not, um, there is a, a very clear pattern of behavior that he's put himself into these positions willingly. And I think that's a big reason why he deserves to be suspended. And I think a lot of people are looking at the year last year as time served. I don't look at last year as time served. He held himself out of football than the league in order to you know, stop the publicity a little bit of this, decided to put him on the exempt list, which allowed him to miss time but still get paid, right? I mean, he still paid his full salary last year. So I don't view last year as some sort of time-served scenario. And then, you know, the conversations then from the NFL Players Association, which I think, you know, if, if you're the NFLPA, your job is to defend the player. Whether he's, you know, guilty or not guilty, like a defense attorney – your job is not to defend or your your job is not to necessarily tell the truth. Your job is to defend the player based on precedent, right? Based on saying, okay, you suspended X player this amount of games based on the crime, based on the, you know, the 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 whatever they did to break league policy, right? That there is a precedent of that suspension. So a player X uh, gets arrested and charged with, you know, 
battery and domestic violence of his partner, um, that there's a precedent there in the NFL for how long that player should be suspended. We're sort of in uncharted territory with Deshaun Watson, which I guess I, there's a level of I can respect that the fact that this is uncharted territory for sure, for the league, for the player, for the for the teams in the league. So it's hard for me to say, well, based on X player's suspension back in 2015, that Deshaun Watson should see this sort of suspension. We've just never seen a situation like this play out. And now I think we're getting to the unfortunate stage where not only have has a situation like this never played out, so there's no precedent, but now the NFLPA, in their defense of Deshaun Watson, want to tell you that, well, because the league didn't act on... Robert Kraft, because the league has yet to really act on Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders, and obviously Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, respectively. Those situations, although are also not good situations to be in, they're black eyes for the league, they're embarrassing in the case of Robert Kraft, you know, there is no, there, there was no actions, there was no behavior that Robert Kraft was being sued for in a civil and or criminal manner from the massage therapist, right? So I, I think we're, we're, we're sort of comparing apples and oranges when you want to compare Robert Kraft, what happened with him, and the situation and how he was, you know, handled by the league. And Daniel Snyder, I mean, he's just a grade-A scumbag, and there's just there's really kind of no way to, to dance around the Dan Snyder situation. But his, you know actions, his behavior, has stemmed from workplace toxicity, right? Creating a toxic workplace, a place where sexual harassment is not just approved of or not just turned a blind eye to, but in some cases, there's motivating factors for men in that work environment to act against women in a sexual way. So I can buy, if somebody wants to draw parallels between you know, Dan Snyder, the scumbag, and Deshaun Watson, the player, and say, well, the league has done nothing to hold Dan Snyder accountable. Frankly, the NFLPA has a leg to stand on there with Dan Snyder. The NFL has done nothing to address the behavior of Dan Snyder. He is an embarrassment for the league. He's been an embarrassment long before these allegations of workplace, you know, a toxic workplace environment and, you know, sexual harassment towards women and former employees that have come forward. Of course, those are terrible things. Um and, and he is an embarrassment for the league, but he's been an embarrassment long before these allegations came out by his conduct, by the way that he you know runs his organization and runs his team. And that goes without mentioning that there is a probe, a financial crime probe into Daniel Snyder's financial you know bookkeeping and the league. And that's the thing that I thought for sure was going to get Dan Snyder bleep canned, right? Like I, I assumed him keeping you know, a separate book of finances for himself and for the team was going to be the, the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and that that was going to be the reason that, that Dan Snyder was finally going to be held accountable. And we have not seen any information regarding that investigation, what has come of that. That's not as surprising to me. The league, and frankly, Roger Goodell's job is to cover for the owners. He is the spokesman for the NFL owners. He has really in no way the authority to suspend, to fine. I mean, in some cases, fining, yes, but without, I think, two-thirds of a vote 
There's nothing Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell could do to remove Daniel Snyder from the situation as being the owner of the Washington Commanders. That is up to the opinions and decisions of the rest of the league, the other 31 owners in the NFL. And unless two-thirds of them vote to get him out, to push him out as 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 primary owner of the Washington Commanders, he's going to continue to be the owner. And he's part of a, con- a congressional probe right now. And he's been subpoenaed multiple times. And he's like, well, I'm, in, I'm on my yacht in Paris. Sorry. Maybe, maybe try back another time. So <clears throat> if the NFLPA is using the league's stance and the league's decisions against Daniel Snyder as precedent to why the league should not be requiring Deshaun Watson miss at least a full another full season for his suspension yeah they they probably have a leg to stand on more so than you know the Ray Rice scenario which i think the league is probably going to find themselves in a very similar situation to Ray Rice, which is the league's going to hand down a suspension, more information's going to come out after that suspension, and the league's going to have to tailor a, a new suspension or tack on additional games based on new information that's made available. I, I would be almost willing to put money down that you have that type of situation. I think that's why the league is trying to avoid a situation where uh, you know any suspension that gets agreed upon in this in this arbitration, essentially, process that there will be no appeals process. And that's kind of like what the league doesn't want to happen. The league doesn't want to, you know, so there, there has been a lot of reports that they're willing to take a six to eight game suspension if it means Deshaun Watson and his team don't appeal that suspension. So, yeah, it's it's been a disaster from the outset. It's been an absolute mess. And frankly, the league just kind of comes off as amateurs because, frankly, the precedent of them doing anything about owners you know, the guys that are in charge, the guys with the big money, the ones that are paying people $100 million, $200 million paychecks. You know, they, if they're not held accountable, the, then, then the NFL Players Association wants to know, if, if you can't hold your own owners accountable, how could you expect to hold the players accountable? And, you know, if, if I was being honest about my feelings towards Deshaun Watson, they are that I believe he should be suspended. I'm not a fan of Deshaun Watson. I believe he has done several nefarious, unethical, and frankly, you just, he's a jerk. Um, how he's responded to these allegations, how his public image, how he's addressed them in the public eye. They've been t- it's been terrible. But if I'm being honest, at this point, Deshaun Watson's been out of football for 12 full months. M- more. I mean, more than 12 full months. So if today we find out that he doesn't get suspended, right, or or, or, or that year off last year is considered time served and there's no additional games, I mean, I'm going to be pretty I'm going to be pretty pissed off about that. I mean, there's I don't know how I couldn't be. Um, I would not be happy if the league's decision and this independent judge decides that the league really does not have the authority to suspend him further. It's going to be really frustrating for a lot of people. I want to navigate how I feel about this carefully because I am not here to tell you that Deshaun Watson doesn't deserve the uh, doesn't deserve the suspension. But I, for me, the suspension really isn't even about Deshaun Watson. The suspension, to me, is about the Cleveland Browns. Like, 
I want the Cleveland Browns to suffer a little bit, if I'm being honest. Yeah, sure, I, I want Deshaun Watson to suffer as well. But the reason that I want the Cleveland Browns to suffer is because knowing the information they knew, they did not interview any of these women, not one of them. They kind of deserve to wear egg on their face. They sort of deserve to eat crow. And if he gets off scot-free and he misses a couple of games here and there or misses none at all, I'm going to feel like the Cleveland Browns got off way too easy. Because the decision-making process throughout this entire process, their inability to message things in a way that are sensitive to women everywhere, that are in common sense and understanding the egregiousness of the, of the frankly, the crimes that Deshaun Watson's been accused of doing, and trading for him in the midst of all this before the actual criminal charges or criminal aspect of this investigation was actually cleared. I want the Browns to have to wear this. I want Deshaun Watson on the sideline while the Browns have to start Jacoby Brissett because I don't think they deserve to win. I don't think they deserve to be in a situation where he plays for them this year. They, down to the way they structured their contract with him, where he wouldn't lose that much money this year if he was suspended. Like, Everything they did with the pursuit of Deshaun Watson feels gross. The contract structure, giving him $230 million guaranteed, the first ever fully guaranteed contract in the in NFL history. Fully guaranteed. To a player that they weren't sure would ever actually get to play again. And I mean, I'm sure they, they felt good. They felt positively that he would eventually play again. So I, I, I don't think you can make that move unless you are really convinced otherwise that that he's not going to a miss a lot of time or b he's going to be a guy that maybe gets suspended for a couple of games but is right back in it and and can be the quarterback that they need him to be right so there's just so much wrong with the situation from the league from the browns from watson and now we know that the houston texans have been implicated in one of these civil lawsuits which i say bravo because there's no way that Deshaun Watson was operating the way he was operating, according to some of these reports, without the Texans' knowledge behind it. So the Texans also deserve a lot of scrutiny with how they handled the entire situation as well. It's all been a mess. All been a mess. And um, at this point, I'm just kind of looking forward, it, forward to it to be over. Um, I want some finality to it. I want to stop talking about Deshaun Watson. Because I don't want to talk about him. The situation sucks. The, the the situation that it looks like the league's probably going to be handcuffed in trying to suspend him the way they want to suspend him sucks. There's no good ending out of this. There's no real true retribution to these women. There's no true punishment being passed down to Deshaun Watson. That fits the crime. And you have a team that is going to end up paying $230 million and likely get a quarterback that's one of the top couple quarterbacks in all of football, and they're likely to be very good this year. And I have no interest in, I have zero rooting interest in the Cleveland Browns doing anything this year. Any success is going to be met with a bunch of people, and even their fans. It's just been a a really terrible situation for everybody involved for for football fans not just Cleveland Browns fans but for football fans 
the league itself has such a bad image with women. How their players interact and treat women, even their own spouses. The league for a long time had a domestic violence issue that didn't get necessary. I mean, it did get swept under the rug, but didn't get the spotlight it deserved. And then here we are, a new situation. I mean, multiple situations playing out with Deshaun Watson. And an opportunity to really get this right for once. And they didn't again, or they won't again. Now, there has not been a report of what this punishment's going to look like. But hearing the reports I've been hearing more and more, day by day, hour by hour, the guy's going to get six games, maybe, max. I, I just, I don't, I do not see a year-long suspension um, being the conclusion that this judge comes down to. I think he gets suspended for the first six games of the season, that the Cleveland that the Cleveland Browns don't really make or I shouldn't say the Cleveland Browns, that the NFLPA and Deshaun Watson don't make an attempt to appeal this decision, and he's back by week seven. And it's going to feel gross. Like, it just, it's going to feel gross. And I feel for Cleveland Browns fans who are going to be forced to, well, I mean, they won't be forced, right? Cleveland Browns fans can decide not to go to football games. They can decide not to flip on the TV. And I think that will probably be the case early on this season. I think there will be a fraction, a small portion of the Cleveland fan base that decides, you know what, this is too much for me, I've got young daughters, I am not going to support this franchise because of the decisions they make and who they employ. But I I think sadly that's going to be a very, very, very small fraction of the fan base. When he starts winning football games, every story, every terrible thing he's been accused of doing will likely fade off into the distance. And that's the sad reality of the current environment we live in. And I think for me, I want to just do what I can to not let this situation fizzle into the background of every other storyline that's going to pop up over the next couple of months. I mean, at least in my mind, those women deserve that. To keep the conversation going. To keep the heat on Deshaun Watson. I just hope that this independent judge, that the league itself can find a way to get the most out of this suspension process. Because without a year suspension, I'm going to feel it was a gigantic failure on, on the part of the league. And whether or not the NFLPA really truly believes that Deshaun Watson is guilty of any of this kind of doesn't matter. Their job is to defend him. And whether or not you think that's an impossible position... The NFLPA appears to be doing a better job defending Deshaun Watson than the league is doing proving that there is a reason why he should spend the rest of this calendar year on the sidelines suspended from the Cleveland Browns. 803-0550-1888-552-550. Happy to take your calls if you've got thoughts on that. We're going to switch gears here in just a second. Aaron Quinn of Cover One is going to join us. We're going to talk about... Uh, We're going to talk about the Bills, a couple of storylines, his thoughts about training camp since we'll be back there for the first time in two years at St. John Fisher College. So we've got Aaron Quinn, cover one, that's coming up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. I think, obviously, outside the legal situation, we just keep it a football and football business. I think we see and saw what was driving the whole thing. He dropped his no-trade clause for what? For a totally guaranteed five-year, $230 million contract. And I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Sean Watson is not of Cleveland or feel Cleveland 
that's a Miami, L.A., uh, New York kind of guy. I mean, that's the kind of uh, you know legacy he wanted to create. But when Cleveland came with a five-year all-guaranteed contract, side of the dotted line, David Mullen, get it? We, at that point, it was now known, what we had known for a long time was that if a team just gives a guaranteed contract, that's where he's going to end up signing. That is Texans sideline reporter John Harris. He was on the Extra Point Show earlier this week. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary here in the driver's seat. We've got our first guest of the day and of the weekend on the Wester Hotline. Joining me now is Cover One's Aaron Quinn. You can hear him uh, during the week on his Cover One Buffalo podcast with his co-host Greg Thompson. Um, I'm excited, Aaron, because in a few weeks we'll be at St. John Fisher again, and I fully expect a Cover One like, you know, reunion of sorts on the radio like we did two years ago uh, during training camp. Like, we're, we're running that back this year. Oh, for sure. First of all, thanks for having me on, Nate. Course, I've course. missed you. Uh, and second of all, yeah, no, I'm super excited. I know you and I, we DM a lot, and I'm super lame, and we never actually get together unless it's a Bills event. So I'm excited to see you, and I'm excited to get on and chat with you there. Me as well, my friend. Me as well. So um, I figured we'd start. Well, you know, I, I was talking about Deshaun Watson, and obviously, I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer going into this weekend yeah. at all. But um, right. it, it does appear, Aaron. Like, first of all, the the little sound clip we heard there from the Texan sideline reporter. It's the one thing that I think I I, I that frustrates me most about professional athletes it's happening in golf right now with the live golf league and you're hearing these guys particularly guys like brooks kepka right who's like well i didn't do this for the money um like just shut up just say you did it for the money because people will respect you more if you're actually honest about it when you do something for the money and everyone knows it and you're trying to convince everybody it wasn't for the money you kind of come off as you know a jerk you come off as an idiot um and deshaun watson you know kind of coming off like well it was always cleveland for me just never felt right and he you went to the team that was the only team to give you a 230 million dollar guaranteed contract just say it right like just own it so that people, not that I think a lot of people would would respect Deshaun Watson throughout this whole process if he's just like, yeah, I just did this move for the money. Um, but it certainly would come off, you know, less disingenuous than saying, well, no, like I really wanted to be in Cleveland. Like, man, nobody wants to be in Cleveland. Uh, for sure. First of all, there's not a thing. I don't think at this point that Deshaun Watson can say that I'm going to believe uh, that comes out of his mouth, uh, whether it's just his optics or something and the way I view him. I really, there's nothing he can say that can make it good. Uh, in my opinion. But no, this is something that players do all the time. This is arguments we have on Twitter all the time. When Even when Bills players say they're taking a discount to stay in Buffalo, it's like they're, you know, they're still getting paid relative to the market. Like Maybe it's a slight discount, but guys are here to make money in the, in the NFL, whatever league it is. And so I wish that players would just embrace that because we all seem to know it. Um, I, I don't think they would do the things they do if it wasn't for the millions of dollars they can make, but especially the golf thing uh, that you mentioned. like That's clearly uh, money grabbing. Good for them, right? The PGA. Yeah, right wasn't doing so good for you and own it and nobody will care nobody's gonna look down on you if you say no i did this because i wanted to make a ton of money generational wealth that's okay sure just own it (laughs) just own it it's like you know in the same conversation aaron like von miller sure he reached out to the bills but if the bill said yeah we'll give you one year 15 million dollars what do you say he's not he's not coming to buffalo he's gonna stay in la i mean that's and that's okay right and then people want to say i do think 
talking to Sean McDermott helped, but the money is what got him yeah. in Buffalo, right? Like that ultimately he had a chance to make a little more money. I don't know what the offer from LA was, but money is the ultimate driver in, in most of these decisions. Just like any of us would at our regular jobs, if a job that you didn't necessarily, you know, love morally offered you five times the salary, you're probably yeah. going to find a way to get over the moral issues that you have, unless it's just, you know, yeah. you know, you're going to work for some, you know, oppressive government. Oh, that's right. The sure. live government, the, the live golf sure. league did do that. So um, <laughs> I digress. Yeah, um, I wouldn't know. I don't I don't get paid. So I don't know what that's right. Like, but in a world, I could see myself chasing money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You could see yourself chasing money because you're you're a guy that likes nice things. You like to yeah, yeah. you 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 like big cuts of meat with the mm. bone still in and aged and on mm. a on a smoker and so on and so forth. So I get it. So let's talk a little right. Fourth of July before we get into some of your Bills takes going into training camp. Um, so you know this weekend, I assume you're probably laying low at home with the kids. Maybe have a couple people over. Maybe you're going to a family member's house. Like I I always try to do this. And by me, I usually like to convince my girlfriend to do this. But yeah, to make exactly. something that uh, not everyone's going to just – because my, my thing about going places for 4th of July or for, like, summer parties is you people don't coordinate well anymore. So mm. they're like, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll just make a potato salad. And then three people yeah. show up with potato salad, which is fine. Yeah. Like, I love potato salad. And not everyone will make the same style potato salad. Some will be different. But totally. – like, I try to be different. I try to go a little against the grain. Like, if, if if you're going to a party this weekend, what are you making that you're maybe going against the grain instead of just mac salad or potato salad or some sort of, you know, burgers dog situation? Like, what are you bringing that's going against the grain? Well, all right. So, it's tough because 4th of July, I tend to do cold sides more than hot sides just because the weather's too hot yes agreed for, for some hot sides but if i'm going against the green a little bit i think i might be pulling out some collard greens so i wasn't prepared for this question, but collard greens is always my go-to if i'm going to a party that one i know there's going to be barbecue there because collard greens goes fantastic with yep. any type of barbecue and if i know it's going to be the basics most people miss out on the veggies when we're doing you're these right basic you're right dishes it's, it's pasta salads it's potato salad so it's which is fine we need a veggie to go with it. So I think I'd pull out some collard greens wow. uh, as, as my off-the-cuff one. So my dad's good friend grows collard greens. Um, oh, I assume yeah. I assume you do too? We have done it in the past, yes. yeah. There is really nothing quite like a ton of garlic, and you get like that. So how when you're making collard greens, I, like well, what are you using as like the, I don't know, would you call it the broth that you're making it in? Is, is that what you would call yeah. it? Yes, you do, uh, like pig's tail. Uh, mm. If you can't get that, you can work with some like thick bacon if you can't get your hands on mm-hmm. tails, uh, things like that. But, yeah, you want to get that fat really simmered into there because that's where all the flavor is, isn't fat. Oh, gosh. Now I want collard greens. It's been a while. It yeah. really is, I think, the elite barbecue side dish. I think so, especially with, like a little bit of spicy vinegar. Oh, yes, uh, yes, it's, yes. It's a, nice, it's a nice touch. Again, probably a little too hot this weekend. Uh, for him outside, but if you're in a nice shady spot and you're, you're pounding some pulled pork or something this weekend, like what's better? Not a lot, not a lot, Aaron. Aaron Quinn, by the way, here in the Western Hotline, joining me. We're we're, we're just kind of shooting the bleep here on some uh, on some Fourth of July dishes we'll be bringing. I'm 
So, like, obviously, I'm being a, a non-mayo guy, the potato and, and, and pasta salad thing has always been sort of an enigma for me because I right. actually do especially like a good potato salad where you get, like, the mustard base. There's obviously still a little bit of mayo in there, but I, it, mm. I can overcome it as long as there's a heavy dose of that mustard in there so you get that vinegary and that yellow mustard taste. Um, yep. My girlfriend has been substituting not all mayo – but most of the mayo with sour cream for me. So okay. I don't see like like sometimes I'll want to just try a potato salad just to see like how mayo-y it is. Um, right. But I will say, Aaron, that don't sleep on substituting like if you were to put a hundred percent mayo, like she's doing it like seventy five percent sour cream, twenty five percent mayo. Okay, so she's cutting it. Yeah, exactly. First of all, the the. I'm with you a little bit on the mayo thing, but in like egg salad, pasta, or not, I don't really put in pasta salad, but potato salad and stuff like that. To me, it's more just a medium to carry other yep. flavor, right? Like you're just like tying stuff together. So that my thing is, I don't like mayo like slathered across a sandwich. I think that's Ugh. disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, but I can do it in other things. I'm not a huge sour cream guy, but I try it. Have you tried Greek yogurt and like cutting uh, it with Greek she, yogurt? She has also you used don't like Greek, Greek yogurt. yogurt. That's right. Yeah, but you don't like Greek yogurt. It's but it, I would like it better than if there was mayonnaise in it. I'm gonna uh, offline. I'm gonna send you by the way a potato salad recipe. My wife tried it. Uh, our girl, I think we both like her. Smitten Kitchen does recipes online. If you're not okay. following her, give her a follow. Uh, and it's got homemade dill pickles in the potato salad, and I thought it was going to be disgusting. It's fantastic. I'm going to send it to you. I think that more and more I need people to start putting pickles in dishes that they hadn't, haven't yeah. done traditionally. They're, and especially like a homemade with like horseradish root in there or something, something to give it that bite. Um, I do believe that people need to be adding pickles to more things. I agree. Yeah, and the more pickles, the merrier. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, like, I like to eat pickles on the side, but I'm 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 the one guy when I see people take pickles off their sandwich, or you know, they'll only eat pickles on the side. People don't realize how good pickles pair with like particularly ground beef. Ah, uh, totally. And it is uh, so good. Brisket sandwiches, yes. Pickles on top of that. Uh, pulled pork sandwiches. If you're doing that this week, that's what we're doing at my house, and I just got some really nice. Dill pickle chips to throw on top of mine. Wow, dill pickle chips on uh, with dill pickles on it as well. Like you're going with a double dill or no, just the, just the pickle chips on top, um, and, and on top of the pulled pork, maybe a little bit of coleslaw mixed in there. So pulled pork, what what cut of meat are you going with? Uh, pork butt. Okay, just doing a pork butt. Going uh, throwing it on my cheap old smoker. Hey. Probably have to. It's going to be a little bit annoying. I'm going to be out there probably for ten hours, twelve hours. Sweating, so. getting the sun beat on you. Yeah. Yep. Everybody complaining to when is lunch going to be ready. Yep. Um. Yeah. So it's, I'm in for that kind of weekend. All right. Listen, I love that kind of weekend. I. This is a weird Fourth of July for me, Aaron. I don't really have any plans going on. I'm going to golf early in the morning on Monday. Short of that, I have really no plans. My girlfriend and I were talking about like things we're going to make, what we're going to do. Um, but it seems like this year, I don't know why. I just uh, like I don't have a beach party. I don't have a family thing going on. There's nothing for me this this Fourth of July. I don't know what your uh, what your plans are. It sounds like you're hosting. We are. We're having a few friends over. Uh, we've got a neighborhood gaggle of children that sort of hang out around the house too. So yeah, I've seen them on social media. Guys. Yeah, see, yeah, they're, you're you're really kind of like you're the, like the neighborhood chaperone. It looks like. 
there's a few of us. Yeah, there's a few of us, and they just balance in between homes. So, yeah, it'll be a pop-in uh, 4th of July, I think, in the neighborhood. When you have kids, we, I don't have the luxury of not having plans. Sure. Uh, I heard you I heard you talk about not having plans, and I was actually super jealous uh, <laughs> about that. I didn't just say, hey, I'm just going to wake up and play golf and uh, do some stuff. Uh, so, yeah, no, the whole weekend's planned out, having people over, trying to keep these kids busy and trying to keep them cool, man. It's going to be a hot fourth. Yeah, squirt guns, man. Squirt guns. Exactly. That's yep. really the that's the key because you get a little bit, well, bit of the why. anger out, and they get yeah. to have fun doing it. It's kind of like a win win. Yeah. It's like adult child win win. Absolutely. So let's um let's switch gears. Let's talk about some football. Mm-hmm. We got on the Western Hotline, Aaron Quinn here of Cover One. So one of the things that I was kind of interested in talking with you about, I had this great conversation yesterday with Doug Farrar from the USA Today. He is. You know, if you ever awesome. need if you ever need someone to thoughtfully just talk at a level that is so like you just learn every time Doug talks, I learn something. And I had him on yesterday and we were talking about the rising cost of wide receiver contracts in the NFL and just mm-hmm. how this offseason you saw, you know, five big name guys either get traded and then re-signed to that big deal or their team retain them. The Bills were one of them. I find it so interesting, Aaron, that Ten years ago, if you're a Bills fan, you're thinking about how the Bills, just like, and I don't, I don't mean this as like a backhand shot at the city of Buffalo, but this is true, and it's a funny talking point when you go other places. Buffalo is like seven years behind everywhere else, right? Like, we still have a phone book. You go to Miami, and you're like, oh, wow, like, we don't have this quite yet. Like, you go to other metropolitans, like... The buildings that are being built here, the multi-use, like the retail storefront and apartments up top in Elmwood, how they're building. Like, that's every city, but they did that 10 years ago. We're just a little behind the eight ball. And the Bills had been that any trend that the NFL was coming up with, the Bills were five years behind. This pairing a franchise quarterback with a franchise wide receiver and paying them a combined $67 million together... There are three teams doing that right now, 68, 67, 66. I believe it's the Raiders at 68, the Bills at 67, and who's the third? The Rams at 66. Those right right now, two of those three are probably going to be your Super Bowl favorites for each conference. People can can argue about the Raiders all they want, but the point I'm getting to here is the Bills seem to be leading the way in trends across the league, whether it's, you know, paying a quarterback uh, before, like, these new contracts, Aaron, the Herbert contract, the Lamar Jackson, the Conor Murphy, this, the Bills are going to look so smart. The Chiefs are going to look really smart with the contracts they made for their quarterbacks because they're going to be a deal in two or three years. So, like, when you think about the Bills being ahead of this trend on paying the receiver and, and pairing him with a true franchise quarterback, it, it does probably have to feel a little good that it does seem like the Bills are leading the way when it comes to new trends in the NFL. Yeah, or they're at least have their pulse on the trend sure. and right. are trying to stay within those and stay a competitive team. I think so, some of it's a natural trend, right? Like you've built this team, you've gotten this uh, duo with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, and you can't break that up, right? No. Like it's really tough when you're – the Bills have never had a wider Super Bowl window in the last 20 years. They're a legitimate contender. And the books are in such a bad situation where, man, if we pay Stephon Diggs, like we're totally screwed two to three years from now. Where I think some of these other teams that are making some of these big wide receiver decisions are going to regret it because their Super Bowl window isn't the same. And I don't know their contract situation is as well managed into the future. That's why I hate to be a whatever with the cap situation whenever this stuff comes up for the Bills. 
I really don't sweat it. I know Brandon Bean has made some right. questionable decisions at times, and they've overpaid at certain spots. But the one thing I really trust him with is the ability to know what he's looking for two years, three years, five years down the line, and how the decisions he makes today will impact that. And there's a little bit of risk management there where, like, hey, if we go all in now, maybe it does impact us in five years, but we think it's enough of a risk that it's going to get us over the hump immediately, and then we can live with that uh, pain in five years, right? Uh, but with the the wide receiver contracts, I think the Bills did the right thing. There's not a lot of guys that are Stephon Diggs. He's so polished. He's so good at what he does, and he's really right in his prime. I think you had to do it, but I do think that trend is going to burn a lot of teams that think they have sure. a Stephon Diggs, and they don't. And the problem is, is the draft is so full of wide receiver talent year in and year out that you might be better off doing something like some of these other teams like, and get, trying to find your chase or trying to find you know, whoever is going to be the guy this year out of the draft that's going to light the league up. Uh, they're just coming in and producing at a level that makes it that some of these guys that maybe are the 7th, 8th, 10th best receiver, arguably, don't deserve top five money but are going to get it. Yeah, and I think, too, when you think about the Bills in this, in two years from now, the the NFL salary cap is going to explode to $254 yeah. million. And the Bills are in a position right now to retain a lot of their young talent and keep this window and extend it and, and keep it as open as possible. Um, but to your point, like there are going to be teams that fool themselves into thinking, oh, that team's number two receiver – well, they just need the opportunity to be a number one. And, like, I, I think the conversation around Gabriel Davis in this sense is going to be really interesting over the next, I don't know, six to seven months to see Definitely. how he looks when he does not have a guy like Emmanuel Sanders taking snaps away from him. He is going mm-hmm. to be a guy that I really think, Aaron, is playing 90, 95, 97% of this team's snap week in and week out because the number two receiver in this offense really does not come off the field very often. And you could say between he and Diggs, too, he's the better run-blocking guy. So, you know, he doesn't come off the field in run situations and rundowns. Like, what do you expect to learn maybe over the first quarter, first half of the season about Gabriel Davis? And is this going to be how much of this is going to be on Josh Allen and the scheme that you know that Ken Dorsey puts together for this team to really highlight Gabriel Davis or do you just believe that Gabriel Davis is that dude and regardless of the scheme and regardless of how well Josh Allen's playing in a given game like he's going to see his targets and he's going to have that that ascension that a lot of people are are talking about it seemingly every day on Twitter yeah, I'm glad you brought up Gabriel Davis because, to me, he is the most interesting Bills player heading into this season to watch because you just mentioned these wide receiver contracts that are coming out and the production that he's been able to put up when given a chance. I think a lot of people want to take that production and just, hey, now multiply that by however many games and he's going to be a top 15 receiver, right? And if that's the case, then the Bills have a very tough decision that they're going to have to make on how do you pay two wide receivers or who aren't you paying if you're going to bring back Gabe Davis. So I'm really interested to see. They've put a lot of energy, time, and development into Gabe Davis. Now is his opportunity. Uh, You brought up a great point. I think his blocking and his ability outside of being a receiver uh, at that number two spot is probably an upgrade over where Emmanuel Sanders was towards the end of the year. So, I'm excited to see this sort of experiment come to fruition for Gabe Davis and see if he can be a legit number two wide receiver. I do think that he can. I just, it's one thing that's going to be hard for him and that, you know, is difficult in this league 
teams now have some tape on him, right? Like he exploded in the playoffs and people paid attention and they're going to have more tape on him as the year goes on is how does he grow as a wide receiver when teams are starting to take away what you can do? I think the last couple of years when he came in and spot duty or sort of started to develop into a wide receiver, teams didn't have anything on him. So how does he respond to that? Um, we had the bills lost Cole Beasley last year when you yep. watched a lot of bills games, teams would try to take away Stephon Diggs. You can't really do it, right? Like, you do try to do it and try to limit it and contain him, but teams focus on that. So he pulls a gravity himself. But then Cole Beasley, while he wasn't super productive, still pulled a ton of gravity in a lot of these matchups on defense. And so now teams are going to be able to say, well, you know, Jameson Crowder's a threat, but maybe we don't have to treat him the same way we do Cole Beasley in this offense. We're going to give that attention to Gabe Davis. That's what I want to see is how does he respond when – Team wants to go give him targets, but teams are trying to take that away. That's what I need to see. And if he can be that guy with teams scheming against him to take it away, well, then the Bills are going to have to pay him, right? You're going to want right. to keep this unit together. You've put so much time into this kid. He's developed exactly as you wanted. It is the process uh, working itself as a process manifestation. you got to keep him. So uh, it's, to me, the most exciting thing to watch going into this this year is Gabe Davis really that dude I hope he is me too I, and I think he will be and and I I'm glad you kind of brought up Cole Beasley because the thing I want to kind of cap off here as we end this are you are you all surprised that that Cole has not really found a team to latch on to yet I I do believe he will buy the time training camp starts or maybe midway right. through training camp somebody you know a, a team has a has an injury of some sort but I, I'm a little surprised um, that he has not found himself an NFL team as of yet I'm a little surprised. I was the defender of Cole Beasley's football play, even in the last year. I think, you know, he had that injury in the middle of the season. You could really see him laboring in and out of routes for almost a month, month and a half of football. Even though he didn't show up on the injury report a ton, he was hurt. And then towards the end of the year, he actually had a nice little run heading into the playoffs, going back to being that guy they could count on on third down. That's an important role in the NFL. In this offense, Uh, though, it's an important role. Totally. Totally. And I, I think... I'm sure that he's had conversations. I'm sure that there's been teams that have offered him stuff. But at his point in his career, he probably wants to play for a contender, I would think. Um, And he's probably going to take his time through this summer. There's not a huge rush to get into training or, you know, to this part of the year, these OTAs, mini camps. He can probably get into a team sometime this summer and pick right up where he left off uh, with a quarterback. So I think he's probably taking his time, not in a rush to play. Uh, but it seems weird to me that we haven't heard more interest in a guy like that because I do think he's not who he was two years ago for the Bills, but I still think he can be a really productive slot wide receiver in the NFL. The way he plays, he doesn't take a ton of shots. He just finds soft spots in zones. He can still beat a guy, man. Uh, so I would think it's a skill teams want, but we're not seeing it uh, come to fruition yet. All right, brother. Appreciate you as always. Tell the folks what uh, what you got going on at, over at Cover One over the next couple of weeks as we head into training camp. For sure. You guys are going to want to stay tuned to Cover One and make sure you're following all the accounts, the main account. We've uh, built up a really awesome team here this offseason. We're really excited. We're going to be rolling out some new stuff, so stay posted for that. Uh, and a lot of it will come being announced right at training camp. We're all heading there. Greg, myself, Eric, a bunch of the other guys are going to be there. So we'll be announcing some really cool things. So make sure you're staying tuned and, and following everybody at the Cover One Network. All right, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Enjoy the long weekend, and uh, we'll chat soon. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on. All right, Aaron Quinn there of Cover One Buffalo, uh, the Cover One Buffalo podcast on the Western Hotline. I got to take a timeout. I got a couple couple of timeouts in here. And then at noon, we've got Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate. We're going to continue our conversations around Bill's training camp. That's coming up next here on WGR.
All right, a big thanks to Aaron Quinn of Cover One for joining us last half hour. If you missed any of our one, just go to WGR550.com, on-demand audio, sports talk Saturday. You can listen to us there. Uh, I'm going to whip it back over to another break because Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate joins me on the other side. So we'll continue talking Bill's training camp and more here on WGR.